Thank you, guys. You may be seated. As I look over the crowd, I see people that I've known for many years. Uh, and it's awesome to see you serving God. Because I'm going to speak about living in the power of God. And one of the things that, as I was praying, was those that have been rooted, um, and just that rootedness when every wind blows and tries to blow you away. <clears throat> and I believe that's in that context of rootedness that God's power begins to work. So it's awesome. So what, what I've been asked to do is to tell stories. Now, that's quite unusual, <clears throat> so I don't have my intro and all my points, but I kind of do have points. And so they're going to tell me when to keep quiet because I've got a million stories. You know, you know why? <laughs> because God, by His absolute grace and mercy, has given me the privilege <clears throat> over decades. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to say this. Should I say, and understand where I'm coming from. I got baptized in water in the 1950s. So I'm, I'm probably a bit older <laughs> than I look. <laughs> and I've seen the church change. I've seen the same things, and I've seen different things in the church. And um, I was a little boy when I got baptized in water, by the way. <laughs> Oopsie-daisy. Okay, so my goal is to inspire you to live your life in the power of God. I honestly believe over the decades, we have become way more knowledgeable. We know everything. And the internet has absolutely advanced our knowledge, hasn't it? Um, we understand, we have psychology, just have written millions of books and every kind of scientific knowledge. And I think without even realizing it, we are living life in our own strength and in, in accordance with our own wisdom and understanding. And I think there's probably quite a lot of wisdom scattered around you. But you know what? When we are not fully and utterly in God's hands and relying on Him, there's stress and anxiety. And wherever I go today, there's stress and anxiety. And please, um, it's such a, uh, once again, uh, a multifaceted subject. Now, I'm not saying if you struggle from anxiety, there's something wrong with you. Because um, I have people in my own family who struggle from anxiety. I am just saying that the more we do things in our own strength, the more anxious we become. So I'm going to refer to stories um, from my background, my, my childhood, <clears throat> and of course, later on when I got married and went into the ministry, which was the biggest surprise, um, a lady, I've often said, flew down from Joburg just to make sure that the story she heard I was in the ministry was correct. Because I always said I would never do that in a, in a million years. Have, have any of you learned never to say never? I've let so many nevers I've said have come true. Okay, <coughs> so now I'll just keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> and the interesting thing, my, my dad was um, a preacher who believed in healing and deliverance. And I, I don't want to, to be utterly adamant, but I think he almost had 100% success rate with cancer. He cursed it. <coughs> and... Um, he would be shocked if someone he prayed had cancer wasn't healed. But I mean, those things are so different to where we are today. So I'm almost seeing this message as a rebuke and an encouragement to me. Uh, you know, when, when I need to speak to myself, I always use my surname, Evans. 
are you still living fully in the power of God? And one of the first things, thinking back to my dad and to my life, my younger life, I think living in the power of God starts with living in love and compassion. Our problem is that so many people hurt us on the road, <laughs> that we put a film around our heart, which becomes almost like a brick wall. And our own hurts and our own issues and our own tragedies stop us from loving people as we used to once do. And I remember Jenny and I, we got married. It was crazy how we were working in, 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 in low-cost housing developments, casting demons out, praying for the sick who were healed, you name it. That's what we did in our spare time. And I'm thinking, oh, we are not just a little bit too comfortable. Um, I don't know. My dad's ministry was given birth to in hours of prayer and fasting, where he says he cried pools of tears as God put a burden on his heart for the lost, the broken, the sick, and the dying. Um, we, had, we had people in the church who, who literally, I mean, he just prayed them into health. He so believed in the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of healing and had such a desire that people would be restored to serve God. Okay, that was always the thing, to join God's church, uh, God's kingdom, growth department, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, he had a leaning towards supernatural ministry because he realized he couldn't help people without supernatural power of God. You do realize that you can comfort someone, but can you be part of bringing massive change without the supernatural power of God. I always remember a lady came to me, and well, I was under such, this is not in my notes, under such pressure. Jenny said, you've got to help the kids with their homework. And somebody brought her in, and she was about to cancel her wedding. Her psychologist said she can't get married. Um, and I just said, okay, right, you've got one minute. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed, your mind, your every, I just briefly, I've just thought of a brief sentence about her past that was breaking and everything. Okay, amen. And there was an instant change. She got married. Um, I'm Facebook friends with a husband that's seriously decades later. But it was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was the power of God and my desperation to help the kids with their homework. Bang. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> It was crazy. Um, I think with Jenny, she had a very similar heart to my dad. And, and that's why the two got on so well. My late father actually died very suddenly from a heart attack. Um, just the crazy with Durban Child Welfare. She was in charge of the dock area. And I met her. Our first date, she said, we've got to deliver some food. And we went down to this dock side area, and I'm praying in tongues and trusting God that we're coming out alive. And she was like this angel. Um, and she, would, she had no fear. And she was in and out. And some guy had murdered his wife, and she would go and say, now stop your nonsense, and the police are coming for you. I'm thinking, whoa, how long are we going to go out for, and how long are we going to stay married before your funeral? Um, <laughs> and seriously, I just thought, woo. Um, 
And just with Highway Home coming to Cape Town, home for street children, and uh, just the incredible passion and compassion. And uh, we had a foster son uh, who passed away in a motor, motorbike accident, and he would be down in one of the, the, the nightclubs in the early hours of the morning, and he said, you know, no, 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 I'm just going to quickly go and check out. He called Jenny, his mom, to see if she isn't looking for street children, <laughs> and I'll help her. Uh, that was that. It's compassion. Guys, it's different to what we do. I think we've become desensitized, especially in this country. You know, I look at an overseas program, and everyone's crying about something, and I'm just thinking, Zip. you know, somebody died. I'm thinking thousands of people die every day in this country. Are, are we desensitized? Um, it's almost like a mechanism against what's going on in the world. And I believe God wants to re-motivate us for our compassion to grow because it is sure going to lead to the supernatural power of God. And personal challenges in our complex world, we have love dribbling away or draining away. I want to ask you, that compassion God gave you, has it drained away? You think back to when you were so involved uh, in a ministry, we live further and further away from the power of God. And life becomes tough, gritty, and gray. You know, when you are living out, whoops, I've got a, a cross there. I've got a, that's Mark two white crosses. If I go beyond the cross, just say, Graham, move back. Okay. <laughs> You're entitled to help me. Okay. <laughs> I want to ask you, has your world become gray? If you are living in the power of God, you will have an fresh testimony yes otherwise it's gritty and it's gray um i just think of jenny and the crew starting highway uh, sorry zambia ministry now in those days for a few years there were no lights in the, in, in the towns there were no roads um and we did some adventures i'll, I'll explain a little bit more um where people had never seen someone with a white skin before it was just like out there and she had she had this passion for the Lawsy tribe that were an unreached people group. I mentioned my wife because I actually think, if I look back on our life, I think she was way braver than me. Um, and this compassion. Um, the big thing about that kind of compassion, it has to be managed <laughs> because you can burn out. And I've seen it with, uh, with our SALT projects and, and just different projects where we're helping people. Um, that compassion can burn. Uh, and almost burn you out. But can I tell you what? I believe the church of Jesus Christ has been blessed through maybe the compassion of a few people. But imagine if all of us can recover our passion. Love leads to determination, a determined prayer to minister until breakthrough. That's what my dad did. And if you came up for prayer and you were deaf, he wouldn't let you go until you heard. And I sometimes feel, you know, I was one of those teenagers like, whoa. Oh, man, you need to give it up now. Just, uh, just move out. This isn't working. And he would pray, and then bang, the healing would come. I think that it's quite possible that in the world we're living in today, we, we step back too quickly. And guys, I don't explain why some people aren't healed. I think Jason put it right. Often our perspective is on ourselves. Uh, and this didn't happen, and that didn't happen. Guys, that's not, just let's focus on the fact that we serve a God who wants to heal and wants to miraculously change our lives. He would pray again and again. 
I remember he prayed for a man who didn't have eyes, and he just said, I'm not leaving this thing until those eyes start growing. That was it. That was his prayer focus. And this guy grew eyes. I mean, still to this day, I'm thinking, whoa, uh, that's beyond my gifting. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't confess that, hey. <sighs> okay. Um, he, you know what he said? Compassion just welled up. It just gripped him. Guys, South Africans, we've got to recover our compassion. Um, and uh, I think of Jenny. What she would do when she got some justice issue or something, um, and I think of Pauline as well, it's that we, we, we're going to find the answer. And I would find miraculously a door that didn't exist would suddenly be there and open. And I just used to watch my wife pushing, phoning, rah, 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 praying, phoning, trying this, trying that, and then zzzz. Christians, are we willing to pray for something and then fight until breakthrough comes? And just to see the power of God beginning to do something. I always think of the miracles associated with this church where Jason and I as a team, we just, I mean, this church has literally existed everywhere. Huh? I mean, it's like the, it's pretty much like the Israelites roaming with the moving of the cloud. And sometimes we weren't too happy with the cloud, were we? Thinking, hey, cloud, you brought us here. I think of a certain clubhouse where they, they would open the doors or not open the doors, depending on how they felt. And it would be clean or dirty, depending on the feelings of whoever was running the place. And how Jason had that sense. Because I mean, every, all land around here in the small area, this cost millions, uh, that this building was in God's plan. And how the owner said, never, I will never sell to a church. And just pushing through. Um, and so many miracles where we hadn't finished it. And we just, Jay, uh, Jason and I had a brief chat. We said to the congregation, we're giving notice uh, at the school. And the next day, somebody offered us a million rand uh, every six months. And a million rand is worth more than it is now. Um, and how we waited for that first <laughs> you know, over the years, pastors, people promise, promise you the world, and then bang, it came in, and then it came in, and it came in. You know, it's, it's opening almost a vista of miracles when we decide to push until breakthrough. Um, so compassion attracts supernatural, and it was there, the passion for this area. You know, this church was started against every rule of church planting. If you want a book on how, how not to start a church, we can write it. Um, and not Jason. It was before Jason became involved. I just made every mistake. Um, anyway, be that all as it may. And I said to the people on the first day, we've put a flag in this area. And by God's grace, we will never leave this area. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that now. But... And Jason and I had a chat one day, and things were, were just not coming together. And he said, look, if you want to close it, I, you know, don't worry about me. <laughs> we can close it. I said, never by God's grace. Um, our compassion for this area, which is not an easy area, has brought us here. Not our desire to, 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 to expand our name or to put our name everywhere. It, it's about, so I think firstly about the community, then the, uh, then the church. So the church is here for the community. Amen. And um, so it, for, compassion attracts 
supernatural activity and protection. You know, we see in the Bible, Lazarus, Jesus, the, the shortest word in the Bible we were always taught was Jesus wept. His compassion led him to call Lazarus out of the grave. And you know, so many people are in a spiritual grave and we need to call them out. Um, and of course, even the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, uh, lepers. I mean, you would think, you know what, Jesus, shouldn't you be looking for leaders? You know, why, why, why are you ministering to, to all these people who literally don't have a life and they're never going to amount to anything or whatever you want? Because people try to stop Bartimaeus calling out to Jesus. And I want to say this, that it's compassion for people that should be our primary motivation. You know, when Jenny uh, started Highway Home, all the local gangsters uh, saw the, the kids as great tools because they were small enough to put them through a window to get in and steal or whatever. And she, she knew every single gang leader, Stachy, all of them, because she would meet them and look at them in the eye. And it was only the protection of God. Really, so many times um, she would be out at two in the morning looking for kids. And I still remember um, her boys would get expelled from schools. I mean, the one boy tied the teacher up uh, completely, just at this piece of rope. And she was sitting there. And she would, in the name of Jesus, go in and persuade principals. I mean, what principal would keep a child that had just tied the teacher up totally? <laughs> God, that's supernatural. Uh, that is supernatural. Um, but it comes from compassion. Um, you know, I remember our Zambia miracles. Our first trip to Calabo. Now, there's a beautiful road built by the Chinese that will take you straight to Calabo now. But that was an area they'd never seen white people. Uh, we had a soccer match. And the, it, right, the whole area, it's actually quite a popular area. And they said, come and watch these white people play soccer. Now, what they didn't understand was that white boys played rugby. And I remember the kickoff, there was more people there. There would be any of our PSL our games. I mean, thousands of people. And the ball was kicked off. And the one rugby player went to head it and totally missed the ball. And they, they laughed for the rest of the, of the match. But, I mean, this was the center of witchcraft in Zambia. And we had these evening meetings. I don't know anyone who's at those meetings. And so as the power of God uh, came through our preaching, everybody who was demon-possessed began to manifest. There was growls and groans. And I mean, it's like, whoa. But we'd taken all these teenagers. I think the average age of a teenager, I mean, today, no parent would do that because there were no cell phones. You went away for three weeks. It was about 15. There were 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. So you know what we did? We said to the teenagers, you're going to have to cast the demons out. So there was all these kids casting demons out. You know, I still remember thinking, this is God. And then, of course, the witch doctors decided to kill us. And uh, the one meeting, we'd been there long enough. It was quite long. And I said, we need to. And we had to walk in thick sand quite a far back to the place we were staying at. And we need to take all these teenagers back. And this black lady was white. She was trembling and she was shaking. I mean, it, uh, she was so fearful. She said, they're going to kill you. And I, I don't know whether I'd do it now. You know, I just said to know in the name of Jesus, God, protect all of us. We're walking back. <laughs> well, we're all still living today. But do you understand? Our compassion for a, for a group of people that never heard the gospel took us there. And 
you know, it was, it was crazy. Flooded rivers. We crossed flooded rivers because there was a, it was a floodplain that we were on. And, and uh, you know, cars and buses just gunning the engine. I think today's parent would, would call it child abuse. You know, your teens in this vehicle. And it's, okay, let's go. And I still remember Jenny screamed at me. We, we started to gun it. And I was hungry and I was eating a sandwich and driving through this flood river with one hand on the wheel and, then we got caught, and Jenny said, you're eating your sandwiches, and we got to cross this floodplain. Guys, I can go on. My dad talks about gangsters. He, he, he started his ministry in the poorest areas of Durban, how a gangster came in and gave his life to the Lord, but the other gang were waiting to kill him, and how they all just froze, and then they came to the Lord. Guys, I'm, you know, I think all of us, we're doing our best to um, to live a good, calm, peaceful life. <laughs> and this is outside of our experience, but I'm wondering how many of us need to get back um, and really trust God. Um, so I could, I, d I wanted to talk, uh, I've got so much stuff on my hat. We'd, this is a three-part series, Jason, you don't understand that. What about family? Do you know that I believe we need the power of God to protect our families? Our first area of ministry is our family. It's the first unit of the church. And then, of course, even the church family. And, you know, um, I believe uh, there was a scripture. God, there's a whole lot of scriptures. Anyway, be there. Oh, my hat. Oh, my word. Okay. Let me read one scripture here at least. Uh, Matthew 9, 36 to 37. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless sheep without a shepherd. Do you know that I think we, if you're a Christian, you've got a family. If you're young, you've got parents. I've been talking a lot lately about having to parent parents. Any of you had to do that? Whoa. If your parents are not Christians and off the rails, you have a responsibility. <laughs> you, God's putting responsibility on you to be filled with the Spirit so that they can be led to God. Um, and fanning into flames uh, the gift. Because Timothy was a young man, and this is what Paul said to him. Um, he spoke about the faith in his family. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Can I tell you something? When issues take place in the family, you get that desperately cold thing going down your back, don't you? It's one thing to pray for someone else. But when it hits your family, that's your biggest test of faith. And you know, my dad, his faith was like a shield. And he would always be calm. He would do it quickly and walk away. I mean, I had mumps up here. I mean, we, said we don't get mumps anymore, hey, for some reason. Probably a vaccination. And I couldn't swallow. And he walked and he says, uh, what do you want from God? I said, Dad, I want to be able to swallow and I don't want to feel this pain. He said, that's it. Zoop, he prayed walked off and went back to work. Immediately the pain left. So I had, I had this swelling, absolutely no pain. Um, my sister, I was chatting to her on the phone. She had rheumatic fever. 
He said, in the name of Jesus, be completely healed, never have it again. I had asthma. He said, that is, that is, that is not going to happen. You are not going to be an asthmatic. In Jesus' name, never had asthma again. I, my appendix, appendix must come out. I remember rolling down a bank at school from pain. He said, you're way too young to lose your appendix. In Jesus' name. And he walked away. <laughs> and this happened all the time. Do you know that I hadn't been to a doctor for 10 years, even colds and flus. He said to me, who's your doctor? We had this argument. I said, no, you're my doctor. No, no, Who have you been going to in the last 10 years? And no one else. He said, you're lying to me. Because if you had a cold or flu, Jesus' name be healed. That's it. Walk away. That was crazy. When my dad passed away, we didn't know what to do. Do you know that he had words of knowledge and wisdom? We, I needed my birth certificate. We couldn't find it. He said, right, fine, give me, give me a few minutes, I'll pray. Oh, there was this big, there was like this area above the toilet with all the suitcases. Um, I said, it's one of those suitcases there. And there it was. I mean, we would just go to my father because he was, I'm going over this cross, God. You didn't shout, okay? <laughs> he believed. That was his responsibility to use the gifts for his family. We've had quite a few situations. You know, when Leanne was about to be born, I still remember God said to me, lay hands on Jenny. Uh, and I prayed for her. And then we had this, without going into detail, this, this complicated drama. Um, and I mean, this child was purple for at least a day. I thought, Lord, is she going to be my purple daughter? Um, <laughs> like, oh, not the color you want your child to be. But you know what? Challenges and dangers still come our way. It's what we do <laughs> in that situation. And I remember when Roxy, my daughter-in-law, was pregnant with their second child, she was found to have cancer developing on her ovaries. And they operated on her. They couldn't give her any drugs because she was pregnant. On the one ovary, they took the other one out afterwards. And then they, they, they saw that this child had a deformed foot, leg. And I said, God, now what? I'm, I'm, I am the spiritual leader, I suppose, of the family. I mean, I don't walk around ever saying that. And I, and I realized prayer and fasting. So God said to me, they must name the child and anoint Roxy. Because I was going to talk about the anointing. Oh, my hat. I'd love to have spoken about the anointing. <laughs> and do you know that child was born without a deformity? He was two and a half months and he got meningitis. My son, who's an emergency doctor, in his brain, all the things, all the permanent defects that come from a two-month baby having meningitis. I said, no, no. Yeah. Okay, this is not over, is it? Right. And I got this cold feeling down my back. You see, it's my family now. It's not your family. It's not someone else's family. And we had to pray through. And nothing uh, was wrong with that child. So I could give you a million stories. What I want to do, what I hope I'm doing is inspiring you. Yes, I'm not saying don't go to doctors. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't give medication. I'm just saying, hear from God and trust God. And the, the, just tell me when to keep quiet. Okay. I just wanted to talk about hearing God. It's interesting because we don't know what God wants to do and when He wants to do it, do we? And how He wants to do it. So I found 
that the greatest comfort has been hearing God speak. And He doesn't speak when you demand it. So I've, I've realized I need a spirit of expectancy. God, if you need to give me clear direction, it can be through visions. It can be through just the Word of God jumping out at you. Um, it can be that voice. You know, it's that voice. It's different, and God never babbles. He doesn't repeat Himself. Okay? You're saying, God, what was that? Did you speak? Two days later, you think, did I hear God? Was it me? No, God says, trust me in that word. And you know what? Hold on to that word until you die. Because we let go of that word when it doesn't come true when we expect it to. Amen. Okay. So, I, do you know that when I met Jenny, as I was getting dressed and I was going to this church, my brother's church, the main church, because I was in a church plant, I was going to their Christmas uh, dinner at a hotel. And I still remember I was putting on this brown and white spin, pinstripe suit. How revolting to think of wearing that. Now, God said, you're meeting a wife. I had this blind date, and I assumed the blind date was the wife. So I gushed over her, and she's still running. And I realized we couldn't talk. We had nothing in common. But there was a lady sitting on my right with her boyfriend, and that was Jenny. And the rest was history. So whenever it worked out, I liked her, and actually that broken up because she'd got saved and he didn't want to get saved. She broke up with him. And then I invited her to something. God said, no, that's the wife. <laughs> but so many things. Uh, when we were coming to Cape Town, um, the church wanted us to go to Paul. Jenny kept saying, God, show me. It's Tableview. I used to phone up Pastor Donovan. I tell you where you're not going, and that's Tableview. But, I mean, it was just so awesome when things worked out. You know, we got the Malk Boss, ch Boss Church back. And it was so funny. I was going to shave. I had the razor. And God said, the church is coming back to you. I nearly cut myself. But I know exactly where it was. And just for a couple of years, just, you know what? It's not me. And then Pastor Pedro came and said, uh, I want to offer you the Malk Boss Church back. I said, yes. He said, what? I said, no, God told me a year ago. <laughs> then he said, you have, you're taking over in two weeks. Help me, Jesus. Okay. How that worked out, I'll never know. But guys, I can go on. Uh, you know, even going to the ministry, we were going through traveling to the Kruger Park, going through the East Rand. Jenny says, we're going to come and live here one day in ministry. I said, I had such a fight with her. I said, I will never, ever, ever, ever live here. The rest is history. Okay. Just wanted to close with a tantalizing thing. The above and beyond anything we can imagine and think. Acts 15.5. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall on them. Acts 19.11-12. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. My dad had a ministry where he touched prayer cloths that healed thousands of people, actually expelled demons. And unsaved husbands came to Christ because the cloth was put under their, his pillow. I just want to say, okay, I'm closing and I'm never going to be invited back because I've gone over my time. Guys, listen to me. I want us to stand because 
Why can't we believe God for a season of unusual miracles? People healed, people saved, people set free from depression, suicide, you name it. Can we trust God? Guys, I think the conclusion is, firstly, we can't live a colorful life, an abundant life without the power of God. And you you know, God wants to God wants to bless us through the supernatural ministry. But I'm so glad Jason gave the intro. Because what's more important is us taking the power of God out there. We used to have it. Some of you will remember revivals that we've had. We'll remember it. And I'm asking, God, why have we become so self-reliant on our programming, our assessments, our everything else? And we've got good churches. We've got great churches. This is a great church. God is saying, I want to add the supernatural. Can, can we just raise our hands? We're raising our hands to God. And I wanted to talk about the anointing. I haven't had a chance to speak about the anointing. But we're going to ask God to anoint us. Lord, I just pray for a fresh anointing. God, I pray that your, your power, Lord, will be stirred up. Lord, stir the gifts that have been given to us over years. Help us, God, to be compassionate and passionate and stir up the flame that is within us. Because God, I want to speak prophetically, you have not finished with us. You've not finished with this community. Lord, you have so much more. With your hands raised, I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for God to use you in a miraculous way. I've got a lot of stories about what God's done to get family members saved. And I know that there are still family members that need to come to Christ. Uh, we've got family members with cancer, right? We've got family members with depression. Lord, I just pray right now for every family represented. God, I just feel the pain, Lord, that is in our families. Lord, especially where there is disunity, where there is unforgiveness. Lord, where there's hurt. And God, I pray, children, parents, siblings, God, that through the ministry that will flow through us, through your spirit is in us. God, I pray that you will set our families free. God, I pray for wholeness in each and every one of our families. God, may we be the one. Lord, if, we, if we're the child, even, God, we don't want any one of our parents to go to a lost eternity. God, I pray for an anointing for credible change. In Jesus' name. Put your hands out. One last question. If you know that you're not right with God, put your hands down. You're not right with God. I don't have to explain that to you, do I? And you want to restore your relationship with Christ. Will you raise your hand? I've got 10 seconds of, un of borrowed time. Just put your hand up and put it down. I know to pray for you. And I'm, Graham, I'm giving my life back to God. I'm restoring my relationship. Lord, I pray for every person, Lord, who's turning back to you, that, God, there would be forgiveness. God, there would be an absolute, incredible, beautiful renewal. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.